guys, welcome back to another episode of the podcast where we are going to talk about not giving up today and we're going to talk really about my verse that I go to a lot is uh, Philippians 4.13, which is I can do all things through him who strengthens me. And it doesn't mean that we can physically do everything. Um, obviously, our bodies have limits, right? Uh, but it just means that when we lean into Christ, we have more strength to accomplish things, whether it's mentally or physically. But I think when it comes to not giving up, it's a great verse. And I really think Paul, of all people, is a great person to look at when it comes to not giving up, right? Like we can look at Moses going through the wilderness and leading the people to the promised land, even though he was told he was never going to enter it. Uh, we can look at Noah and building the ark in the middle of the desert when everybody laughed at him and he had no idea of what he was doing because he never built an ark before. Uh, you can look at Job throughout the entire story and how, yeah, he questions God. And yeah, there's a part where he says, I've been better off not born. But he's not giving up on his life and he never gives his faith up. He still praises God. He, all he's saying is because of the pain and suffering he's he's dealing with, he doesn't want to deal with it. It hurts too much for him, right? Uh, so there's this understanding even then with Job that we need to lean into God. Uh but Paul, Paul spent numerous times in, in, in prison, in jail. Uh, he was persecuted after he left. He was uh, a missionary. When he became a Christian, he became a follower of Christ. After the conversion story from Saul to Paul in Damascus, he goes through this amazing transformation. But even then, the disciples don't trust him. And it's funny because he doesn't give up. He learns. When he's blinded, The he, he fasts and prays for three days. He knows there's a plan for him, and he doesn't give up doing it. So he goes on to plant all these churches across, across the known world at the time, whether they were in a Greek province, a Roman province, whatever it was. But he spends a lot of time in jails. But in Philippians chapter 4, really verses 10 through, you know, we'll go through probably 17, but he's really writing to these people, and in this section he's actually writing thanks for their gifts. And starting in verse 10 he says, I rejoice greatly in the Lord, that at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed you were convinced, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. You know, I am not saying this because I am... In need, for I have learned to be content, wherever whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in in need. I know what it is to have plenty, and I, I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether it well fed or hungry, whether it living in plenty or in want. I can do all things through Him who gives me strength. And that verse 413 is probably one of the most, I don't want to say, it's probably one of the most widely used verses next to John 316 um, or Jeremiah 2911, right? But it's one of probably the one of the most widely misinterpreted verses too because it's used a lot for athletes. And he's not. there's nothing athletic that goes on in this verse, right? 
he's talking about his need to rely on Christ in tough situations. He's talking about that need we have that we can't lean on things in our own understanding, that we have to go to Christ, right? Because only through Christ and God will we be giving opportunities and the things we need when we learn to rely on them instead of on ourselves. You know, for me, growing up, it was real easy for me. It would have been real easy for me to give up on everything. And instead of giving up, I kept pushing and fighting and pushing and fighting. Now, growing up, I didn't really see a kind, loving God. And I've said this before, um, because I didn't have a great childhood growing up. But he was there. When I look back now, there were points where God was there and he picked me up and he pushed me through. And sometimes he does that when we don't see him, right? Because that's what a good father would do, right? I have to do that sometimes with my son where there are times where he's made me so angry. But I have to remind myself he's A, four. B, he doesn't always know. And sometimes we just have to take a deep breath and think, well, what would Jesus do? Right? Like, what would Jesus do, right? And for me, it's reminding myself to take a deep breath, be patient, and find out what's going on. And sometimes in those tough situations when we think God has just had it with us, and we're in those really dark, deep times, Sometimes God's just trying to tell us, what's going on with you? Like, what is happening? Why are we why are you going through this? Like, why aren't you leaning into me? Right? And, and Paul goes on in verse 14 and says, Why was it good for you to share? Yeah, it was good for you to share in my troubles. Moreover, as you Philippians know in the in the early days of your acquaintance with the gospel. When I set out from Macedonia, not one church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving except only you only. For even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent me aid more than once when I was in need. Not that I desire your gifts, when I desire what I desire is that more be credited to your account. I've received full payment and have more than enough. I am amply supplied. Now that I have received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent, they are fragrant, offering an acceptable sacrifice pleasing God. And my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of your glory in Christ Jesus. To the God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Right. So then he goes on to thank them for their gifts, but they're interesting gifts, right? Like he, he says, it was good for you to share in my troubles. Right? It's good for us to be by our brothers and sisters. It's good for us to model that relationship Christ would have with us and wants with us and that we have with him with brothers and sisters. Whether they're Christians in the church or they're, or they're just people outside of the church. Right? Because if we're called... To bring the gospel message, the good news of Jesus, right? The good news of salvation to people outside the church. 
that means we have to show the same the same love, patience, and kind and understanding God and Jesus show to us, to them. The same mercy, the same grace, right? And it's not easy to do, right? We have to be willing to share in the troubles they're dealing with because how can we help bring them to Christ if we don't understand the troubles they're going through? One of the reasons I became a youth pastor was because of the troubles I went through as a kid. Because there are things that unless you've gone through them, people aren't going to tell you about. Or they're not going to expect you to understand. I know personally there's been times in my life where I've, I've thought, well, it doesn't matter. They don't understand. They didn't go through it. Why would I talk to them about it? Right? Like I'm going through a therapy right now to help me deal with PTSD and the trauma from what I grew up with. And it's not so much about the the memories that come up is it's just about learning how to lean into the feelings and trust that I'm okay with what what happened, right? Like it's it's okay for me to to feel the things I feel. But there's times where there's things like I haven't been able to talk to my wife about because she didn't go through it, so she won't understand it. There's things that teenagers are going to tell their youth pastor they won't tell their parents because. They feel like the parents are going to judge them or whatever it's going to be, right? Sometimes a youth pastor or a pastor is just somebody who's going to be easy to talk to because we're, I don't want to say, we're not expected, but they know we're going to stop and listen, right? That's what happens, right? Like we're willing to share in their troubles. We're willing to hear their troubles and understand their troubles and ask the questions to find out what's going on, right? He and Paul goes on and he talks about how when he started out, when he first started his missionary, no one at one church would share with him no matter of giving or receiving. Only the people in Philippi. Only the people in the Philippians, right? Missionaries deal with this all the time, right? Like they have to raise funds, right? My wife and myself are going to be um, officers in the Salvation Army. We're going through the seminary school. And uh, we could have asked for funds and promises and money or get whatever, right? Like, But we knew people wouldn't support that because it's not what they would do. It's not how they see what we're going to do. But what's going to happen when we get through this process, and we don't really need the money. I mean, when we sell everything, we'll be okay. But what they don't see but after we get through this process this two years of of living off of the funds we take with us is we'll have the support of an organization behind behind us right so it's really not a big deal right like sometimes it's not the money like for us it's not a money issue sometimes it's just an emotional support or an ear to listen to or a prayer or a devotion or whatever it is right so when i think of what Paul's writing here and he talks about how the gifts are fragrance and they're offering and they're acceptable sacrifice Paul's talking about the old law right he's talking about these acceptable sacrifices well Jesus fulfilled the law Jesus fulfilled the need to do sacrifices there was no need for that anymore so just by them giving Paul's hoping that these gifts God's paying attention they supported him from the very beginning the people of Philippi supported him 
And that's not always the case. Sometimes you go to a church and you don't feel supported by the congregation or you're new, you, you walk into the church for the first time and everybody kind of gives you that sideways glance. Nobody comes and talks to you. Nobody says hi. And that's not what the church is supposed to be. Right? The church is supposed to be a hospital. The church is supposed to be for those that need it the most. Now, everybody needs it. Pastors need it. Uh, the only difference between the pastor and the congregation is the education the pastor goes through. That's it. That is the only difference. Um, and we're comfortable talking in front of people. And even then, most of the time, that's not even completely true, right? Sometimes the people within the church that you're friends with that have been going there for a long time need somebody to call them out and hold them accountable. Same thing happened with Paul. Paul, when he became, when he changed, when when he converted from Saul to Paul and became a follower of Christ and, and a missionary and and spread the gospel message, right? And was unashamed of it and was willing to go to jail for Christ. People still didn't support him. They didn't believe him. The disciples didn't believe him. They wanted to see it before they could do it, before they believed him, right? And this isn't different. This isn't a pattern out of the ordinary form, right? Because they traveled with Jesus, they saw the miracles, and they still didn't understand what was going on. So how would they understand that this guy that went from killing Christians and and putting them in jail and persecuting them and followers of Christ, why would they believe that all of a sudden he became a disciple or an apostle? Why would he all of a sudden become this guy that was willing to spread the gospel message when he just spent time right before this persecuting him, hunting him down, right? He does this complete 180, and it's an extreme 180. But think about it. Not once does Paul give up. Even when he's in jail, which looked a little bit different for him, right? It was probably more of a house arrest than actually in a jail cell in most places. Now, there are a few places where he spent time in an actual jail cell, but he was still writing letters to the churches near him. If he couldn't get to him, he was still writing them letters. He was still reaching out to them. He was still learning about them. He was still finding out what was going on. And that's what the church is supposed to be, right? Even when we're in our hard times, we're still supposed to be helping and reaching out to people. Even when we feel alone or separated, cut off, those are the times when we don't give up. Those are the times when... When Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through him who strengthens me, comes into play. Those are the times where we lean into Christ. Those are the times where we beg for the strength from Christ and God. Those are the times where we need him the absolute most. That's what Philippians 4.13 is talking about. It's talking about those times. It's talking about those times where we're afraid we're at that point of giving up because it feels too hard because we don't feel like there's anywhere else to go you know we in my therapy session we we're actually talking about my friend's suicide and this happened 
26 years ago, and I still, to this day, struggle with it. And there have been times where I've wanted to give up. There's been times in my marriage where I've wanted to give up. But there's been this little voice in the back of my head saying to me, keep pushing through. It's okay. I got you. And when I look back at it now, I get it. It's God. It doesn't mean it's not hard. There's been times where this therapy, and especially this last session, was really hard starting this process of going through my friend's suicide. Where I haven't really slept a lot the last week because of it. But I can't give up. At the very least, I owe it to God. I owe it to my family, and I owe it to my friends not to give up. I owe it to the youth in the youth group to not give up. To keep pushing through, right? I owe it to my son to not give up. I How can I expect to teach my son to not give up if I give up? And that's the way I think about it when I read the Bible and I read stories of Paul or Jesus in the garden when he says, Father, take this cup from me, but your will be done, not mine. Or Moses when everything Pharaoh does up to that point, and then he comes down from the mountain after they're gone, and they're, they're at Sinai, and the, the, is the Hebrews are breaking that promise they'd made and they're already built a golden calf and an idol and and breaking all the prom breaking all those right before they've even done anything or they refuse to go into the land that god promised because it's filled with giants and they're afraid and god says okay then you're gonna wander the desert for 40 years and then Moses is told he's never going to go into that land. He will never set foot into that land. But he doesn't give up on the Hebrews. He doesn't give up on the Israelites that he's let out of Egypt and the generations that come after him. He keeps pushing and finds somebody that's willing to take that chance. And it's the same thing Christ does when it comes to finally bringing the message to the Gentile people. Right to the non-Jewish people. He goes and gets the one man who's been persecuting him in his whole life and says, I need you. This is what you're going to do. And Paul does it. Paul does it so well. And he goes, he does three missionary journeys and he's constantly moving across the the this globe and he never gets to all everywhere he wants but he covers a good chunk of the the known world at the time right that's what we're supposed to do when i read philippians 14 or 4 13 and i say it in my head it's a reminder to lean into god that's what the verse is saying that's what paul tells us to do it's what jesus tells us what david shows us what job shows us what moses shows us what noah shows us samson at the end of his life right it's what all these people in the Bible, right? Rahab, Esther, Ruth, like all these people, they have to lean into that understanding that it's God's understanding. God knows what's going on, right? Job has to come to terms with God knows what's going on. Job doesn't know what's going on. Job doesn't understand. We're not always going to understand why God does something. But when it comes to giving in and you're, you're at that breaking point, 
in today when you're at that breaking point. Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. I can't think of a better reminder on a daily basis to not give in, to not give up. And let's be honest, it's easy to give up today. So let's not do that. So when I think of not giving up, I think we should spend time praying to God and for that strength and that wisdom. Spend time in a devotion. Spend time with friends that care. Spend time with somebody that you can talk to. Whether it's a pastor, a friend, a wife, a mother, whoever it is. Find somebody you can spend time talking to. Somebody that's willing to listen and understand. And those are the things we, like, that's it. Those are the things we need to do today. So do those things. Spend time in prayer. When you're ready to give up, reach out to somebody. And if you have to reach out, email email me at surrenderedtojesuspodcast at gmail. Right? Get on the Facebook page, uh, Surrender Podcast, and leave a comment. Hey, I need you to pray for me for this. I will pray for you. So next week, I said this this podcast was like about hard things the church needs to deal with. So over the next two weeks, I sat down with a good friend of mine, Kevin Chilton, and did it and interviewed him about his take on social justice. And he's doing a sermon. He's working on a sermon series about social justice and what that entails. So over the next two weeks, we're going to talk about that and we're going to listen to the interview and kind of see where he stands on this process. It'll be fun. It'll be a good hard topic. It's going to be tough. It's going to be hard to hear. But it's good stuff to hear. Because we need to be willing to stretch our brains and stretch our muscles a little bit. So I'm going to pray this out real quick. And then I will see you guys again in next week. Father God, thank you for this platform to reach people. Thank you for the ability to go back and read stories of people not giving up. Thank you for the examples and the verses to remind us to lean into when we are at that breaking point. And that only you can give us the strength to push through those. Thank you for friends, family, and anybody else that's willing to listen to us and help us get through our problems and our issues and push us past that that point and, and help give us that strength to keep going on. I just pray that if there's anybody out there that's listening to this that needs somebody to listen to, they go to you. Or that you put somebody in their lives that they can go to. That's willing to listen and help them out. In your name, amen.